Center, Freedom Center. <laughs> There's this beautiful moment where I'm being a gentleman. My wife, she goes, is this so I won't fall down? It's like, yes, that's exactly why I'm here. You guys look weird. How many of you guys enjoyed the headbanger section over here this morning? There, the subwoofers are underneath that stage. And then, and then Austin with his tambourine, I'm sorry, his huge drum set is right there. And I, I was over there during practice this morning, and that's why my hair has come forward today and have backwards. And I love it. That's great. So I do want to give a quick kind of a personal report, guys, as we're going through the ages, that our youth group went all the way back in human history to the 1970s. And we're going to go a little bit farther than the 1970s today, but I do want to say this, that we've been talking about it. My wife and I's heart has just been reignited for the next-gen stuff. We don't know why. It's not like we felt bad. Something broke our heart. Something, we just, all of a sudden, we like seventh-grade kids. It's weird. Like, I have been using seventh-grade kids as the example of why people don't want to be in youth ministry, you know, because you don't have a wonderful program prepared for them. What happens? They have a wonderful program prepared for you. That's right. And so, um, but it's been great. Like, some of, my, some of my, the people I look forward to seeing the most happen to be 12 years old. It's weird, you know? And we're buddies, and watching them worship, watching them invite their friends, watching them enjoy an evening presented by the Holy Spirit, and watching them respond to Jesus was the highlight of my week. So, and I think I want to say this last thing, that something that excited me almost as much as the kids giving their life to Christ was this. There's like 35 of you old people that are never a part of youth ministry that came to youth ministry last Thursday night. And the environment of accountability and friendship and conversation and caffeine drinks and um, not being able to go to school on Friday because they couldn't sleep all night because the caffeinated beverages, you know, you know, I don't know why we need Jolt Cola, but evidently it makes church better, you know. But having that, that presence where they realize they're in a place where they're valued, where they're accepted, where they're loved, where they belong, that cannot be done by a sage from the stage. It has to be done by guides by the sides. And being there, like, I hope you guys will come again this week because it was such a blast and such a good thing. And I think another highlight for me was when, how many guys know who Pastor Carl is? Have you ever seen the movie Moana? <laughs> okay, so Maui is in the, in the pit over here, and, and the adult is taking on the students. If they wipe him out, they get 20,000 points. And I watched his children yeah. <laughs> bull rush their old man. And when he fell down in the corner, they fell down in the corner, and the whole bounce house kind of did a, just sort of a, like, huh, I think it might roll, you know? And when he came out, the, the zipper wasn't all the way up on the getting out of the thing, and it was like one of those animal birthing films where here came a leg, then came a butt, and, and he popped out and rolled out. It was beautiful. So if, if you love Jesus or just want a good laugh, I'm telling you, Thursday night, what time should they be here, babe, or are they even allowed to be here? Six, okay, be here at six. So... Glad to be here. We're going to go back a little bit farther than the 1970s to Genesis chapter 4. We're going back to just after the curse, just after the sin, just after the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil to see what's going on. Read with me if you would. Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. We're going to talk about through the ages of faith. Like all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 to today, people who can't see God, can't audibly hear God, often have a relationship with God because of what others have said or books they've read or scrolls that elders with long beards have read. How is it we navigate our faith when Adam and Eve could talk to God and God talked back? But we have to hear Adam and Eve's testimony and sometimes, how many of you know, sometimes God's not talking, the devil is. How do we navigate our faith? Age-old questions. So we're going to take our three weeks and talk about age-old questions that we have to answer as people who believe what we can't see. 
that believe what we can't audibly hear, that, that know somewhere in our knower who God is, and we're blessed because of it. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, talks about something that maybe you are aware of. Maybe you're even doing it right now this morning, where it says this. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. It was kind of the cool of the day. You hear the rustles, you know, and, and here you go. Hey, there's the father. Hey, father, how's it going? Look, I, I named this gopher, gopher. Hey, I named this wolverine, you know, victorious. Hey, I, I named this spartan. Just don't get me started. Don't get me started. I, I named this nut, buckeye. You know what I mean? I, I, and the father, oh, it's a wonderful day. But all of a sudden, God's not around anymore. Like he's not showing up in the garden in the cool of the day. And in those days, chapter four of the book, of the entire book, chapter four, people start saying, God, where are you? Like, I can't hear you. I can't feel you. I can't see you. I, I hear from people you're real. And, and there was even seasons in my life where I felt you in a way that if you'd have spoken to me, I wouldn't have heard you clearer. If you'd have touched me, I, I wouldn't have known you more. But in the moment that I'm in right now, it just feels like I'm all alone. Just one chapter before this, God is face to face. Now things get muddy. So the Bible's clear about God. Do you agree with that? I mean, the, the, the scriptures are the, the revelatory document. We want to know who God is? I mean, look at a tree. That's cool. I mean, Romans chapter 1 says God has revealed himself through what he's created. But, but more than that, we have greater details than, you know, he probably has bark and grows slowly or whatever, right? So we can look at nature to see his handiwork. But if you want to see God, if you want to know who he is, we've got to look at the book. And so this is what the Bible says about God. Number one, it says this. He's omnipresent. So that's a big word. It just means he's everywhere. He is all over the place, omnipresent. There's no place you can go. And scripture says this, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. I got about 50 scriptures this morning. Can you guys endure 50 scriptures? It's almost like you're going to church today. I'm sorry in advance. Here we go. <clears throat> it says, can a man hide himself <clears throat> in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? Proverbs 15, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are every place, watching the evil and the good. First Kings chapter 8, verse 27, behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. He's bigger than that. Acts chapter 17, verse 24, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Colossians 1, 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. How many guys know that God's everywhere? He's everywhere. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm going through something where it feels like he's not here. I understand your feelings. I'm not demeaning your feelings. I'm just saying there are something, sometimes, and this may be hard to understand if you're a country western music fan, or if you watch the Hallmark Channel, or if you're an Ohio State fan. This may be hard to, to grasp, but understand this. Sometimes things are actually greater than our feelings. And our feelings, although they are, they're wonderful frosting, can never make a cake. They, 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 they're good things, they're bad things, they're rich things always, even if it's pain, if it's grief. I want to feel grief. I want to ignore grief. How many of you guys know there's no such thing as an unexpressed emotion? It will come out sooner or later in various ways. A year from now, you kick a cat, you don't know why? Unexpressed emotions. A year from now, you buy four puppies, you don't know why? Unexpressed emotions. A year from now, you have 17 cats? Why? I don't know, because maybe the world's coming to an end and you need something to eat. I don't know, but I'm just saying this. I'm just saying this. It's a ketchup. I'm just saying this, guys. Hear me. This, this thought that, well, I'll just hold it down. You can't hold it down. Eventually, it finds its way out. God gave us tears for a reason. God gave us laughter for a reason. God gave us a, a sullen 
distant expression. Our feelings, though, as wonderful and beautiful as they can be, be very careful of allowing them lordship in your life. Because if you do what you feel, wowzer, nightmare. So God's everywhere. We agree? Second thing, he's omnipotent or omnipotent. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful, and he's everywhere. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. The word nothing in the original Greek, anybody know what it means? It means nothing. Yeah, nothing. Well, I don't know. What about the situation? Well, what about the laws and the government? I, according to Fox News and MSNBC, stop. Believe it or not, God's bigger than the news. Oh, that's a good clap. I wish that was during the offering, but it's good now. It's good now. Right? Nothing will be impossible with God. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Psalms 135, verse 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all the deeps. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. Oh, Lord, the God of our fathers, you are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. How many of you guys know God is all powerful? Okay, you're still saying yes. We're going to challenge this in a minute. But yes, how many of you guys know God is everywhere? And God is all powerful. We still tracking? He's also omniscient. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. It means that he knows everything. He knows what the word omniscient means for you. He's omniscient, if you will. So all the science, all the knowledge, right? He's all-knowing. Psalms chapter 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is, I love that, infinite. First John chapter 3, verse 20. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Come on. Psalms 139, verse 4. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. And Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, this is not nearly as hard for God as it once was, but he knows the very hairs upon my head. We're down to just two hands now worth of... He also has this other, this other attribute we should talk about, and there isn't a good big word for it, so I invented one. He's omnibenevolent. I made that word up. George Bush and I used to practice the English language together in school. And our strategy was to invent words where ones were needed. There it is, all right? Omnibenevolent, he's all good. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? He's good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalms 85, 5. For you, Lord, are good. And you're ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Psalms 100, verse 5. For the Lord is? I love this. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. And lastly, Psalms chapter 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. Why, church? Because he's and his love endures forever. So let me ask you this. If he's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, and the last word I made up, he's omnibenevolent, how in the world does it feel like that gets challenged on a regular basis? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So at Pastor Jim, you're supposed to tell us the good, and you're, we're supposed to get all encouraged, and we're supposed to be filled with the scriptures and leave. But how many of you guys know there, there's also this cognitive dissonance where something appears, we, I believe it to be true, but I, it, it's constantly contradicted that our, even, our, even our brain physiology, Devo, am I saying this right? Cognitive dissonance, that our brain physiology, it's almost like we, we're, we're, it's not true, but I'm going to live it anyway. And, and there's a certain element of faith where you're growing into it, but there's a certain element of just accepting something that isn't true. 
So our hearts are divided against the truth of the Lord often. We are, our circumstances certainly hinder us in this fallen world from believing all these things are good. Matter of fact, I've heard more people say, I wish I could trust God more, but when I prayed my grandma, but when I prayed that situation at work, but when I, I'm a good person and this happened to me, why, why would this happen to me? It should have happened to bad people. I mean, why does Hitler eat steak and I'm eating cheeseburgers with, you know, that were like reconstituted from World War II surplus? Like, I don't understand how good people get treated so poorly in this world and how bad people kept getting, you know, reelected. I'm just saying. How in the world does this happen? And the answer is, hear me, John chapter 10, verse 10. If all your mathematics only equals what God is and ignores what the world has, you have the wrong formula to arrive at a proper conclusion. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. The thief comes, and let's just read it together. It's on the screen in both directions. His purpose is to do three things. What is it? It's to steal, it's to kill, and to... Okay. Now, can we find evidence that that is a true statement? So in our world today, do we see things being stolen? Do we see that which is innocent being murdered? And do we see that which God has established being destroyed by the hands of man? Okay, so in this, in this thought, remember this. It is, the equation is not if God is, if God is all good and God is all-knowing, and God is all-powerful, and God is all-seeing, as soon as we have another thing, but my life isn't that, it's very easy to say either God is all-knowing but he's not all-powerful because he's all-powerful. He'd have dealt with this junk. God's all-powerful, but God can't be all-knowing because if he was all-knowing, he'd know what I'm going through. Or if he knows what I'm going through, why isn't he changing it? He must not be good. Have you ever asked those questions? Don't raise your hand, but you're asking those questions right now based on the circumstances of your life. Hear me. If all you do is measure what heaven is and who God is in heaven and you ignore the circumstances of the world in which we live, for God has given free will to men. Now, why has God given free will to men? Because love always has to be a choice. If love is not chosen, then what you've created is robots, not sons and daughters. God, God didn't create a little thing that goes around the house that vacuums it for you in predictable ways. He created a son or a daughter, and then he created a vacuum cleaner, Selah, <laughs> so that you do it and complain about it, right? What I'm saying is this. There is a devil. He is evil. He's murderous. I mean, serious foe. Not, not Disney villain, murderer. You say, like Hitler? Who do you think inspired Hitler? Who do you think inspired Stalin? Who do you think is inspiring Putin? Who, who do you think inspired Jeffrey Dahmer? It wasn't God. It was the devil expressing himself through the free will of man to bring hell to earth when God's people are commanded to bring heaven to earth. Do you see how our free will can bring heaven to earth or our free will can bring hell to earth? I can eradicate drugs and sex trafficking or I can participate in drugs and sex trafficking. It's the same free will exercising. So in this, understand this, there's a thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way that thief can hurt God is to hurt you. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take out God by taking out you. And I'm going to buy suspenders, don't judge me. Doing the best I can. Hmm. So what does a lie look like? And what do we look like when we believe a lie? I found this on the internet the other day because I'm not on the internet often. You've already seen it a thousand times. But I thought it was really interesting because, go ahead and roll that video again. It's the first one. There, there's this place in China that's kind of their Grand Canyon and they've built a glass bridge 
that goes around with hundreds of feet below. And as you look down through the glass, you can, it's beautiful. You, it's almost like you're flying in midair. And uh, look at that, isn't that gorgeous? And they put on little booties and they walk around and everybody enjoys the view and they get to see what it would be like if you could just kind of fly. And they made a, a bridge out of glass. Some of you guys know that making a bridge out of glass might be asking for trouble, but it seemed like a good idea. But then somebody in the Chinese government thought, you know, what would be funny is this. I wish we had subtitles. He's probably saying, oh, my mother, my father. Look at this poor guy. Okay. Now, what happened was, somebody in the Communist Party was a little brother. And he thought, wouldn't it be great if instead of a pane of glass, we put a TV screen and we took an exact picture from this point that had the exact colors of all the other panels they've been walking over over this, this one-mile journey around the mountains. But instead of a glass panel, we put a TV set and a speaker. And when they came to that part of the bridge, when they hit it, it would be pressure controlled or, or somehow when they went through, they would touch it. And when they did, cracking noises and cracking sights happened and people respond accordingly. Now, as a little brother, that's delightful. Makes me very happy. <laughs> the, only, the only thing to make that better, if that was Steve, my older brother, or Jackie, my older sister, it'd be so much funnier, right? But I want you to remember the truth about God. Put that up on the screen. What's the truth about God? He is omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnibenevolent. But what happens, what happens when you're walking along in your life and suddenly you are exposed to the lie? The lie, and what do you say, what do you mean the lie? That, that's a very real circumstance. Hear me. The lie was carefully conceived by a liar and, and, and beautifully believed by the victim. That's what believing a lie looks like. It looks like a guy who's perfectly safe, pretending as if he's about to die. Someone who's totally provided for, not trusting the provision. Someone who's completely covered, believing they're orphaned. And what the devil tries to do is create circumstances where you're walking along, and all of a sudden there's this carefully constructed, orchestrated, architect moment where the glass begins to snap, crackle, and pop, and you believe for a minute that God is not omnipresent. Because he was omnipresent, he'd be here right now making sure this never happened to a good person like me. He's omniscient. He knows everything. No. What I'm thinking right now is not how omniscient God is. I'm thinking, what idiot made a bridge out of glass? By the way, that guy couldn't weigh more than like a buck 20. So it's really... Silly that he thinks he's the one that's going to break it. When sumo wrestlers come, I'm not walking on the panel with them. I'm just saying that. But when, when, when Scarecrow comes, I'm, forget it, right? He, he's omnipotent. No, all of a sudden, because of my circumstances, I believe that I have to save myself. Hmm. He actually believes that he's not omnibenevolent. What he believes is this. Not only am I about to die, I'm about to die with someone laughing, holding a camera. My last memory on this planet will be, hey, have you seen the video about the guy that fell through the glass bridge? And we imagined, he imagined the whole thing, did he not? He imagined the whole thing. In his mind, in an instant, he was dying. God's nowhere to be around. It's not going to work. I mean, he's walking along enjoying the beauty of God's creation when he hears a snapping sound. And in that snapping sound, suddenly he's, he's vulnerable and he's about to die. Guys, hear me, and, and hear me well. Someone had to take reality and make it appear. Everybody say appear. Had to make it appear to change. 
Did circumstances change? Yes. Cracking sound, cracking glass lookings, absolutely. Circumstances change. But he had to make the, the overarching truths of the universe disappear in an instant of deception for him to behave the way that he did. The lie had to be believable. The lie had to play off the, hear me, the greatest fears of the victim. Because I'm not afraid of getting too skinny. Man, don't eat salads. You get too skinny. It's like, can't touch this. You know? I eat salads to try to get, never mind, personal. But thanks for coming to my, my therapy session. All right? The victim believing the lie believes that he's about to die. Remember this. Back to this. Look at this right here. Omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent. If we... If the constructed lie can remove just one of those, and I look at those, come, yeah. if the constructed lie can remove just one of these truths from our hearts, we move from faith in God to falling into our greatest imaginable fear. We move from faith in God to our greatest imaginable fear. And it, is, it doesn't take all of them. It, you know, I believe God is everywhere. I believe he's all powerful. I believe he's all knowing, but I can't reconcile that to God being good. So I refuse to leave the fourth one. Because what I'm going through is not good, and if God was good, I wouldn't be going through bad. As if this were heaven. As, as if there were no free will of man, and as if there were no, no enemy to be fought with faith. Hear me. If those four legs of those chairs, if, if the devil can remove one, if life, if circumstance, if finances, if relationship, if, if U of M getting blown out by some lesser team, or whatever it is, whatever happens to your heart, and you stop believing those things, it becomes that. You become the person that is kidnapped by a lie. Hear me. Faith in God and fear of his absence both have a really good imagination. Let me say it again. Faith in God has a really good imagination. Nothing's impossible. God's everywhere. I'm called. This is no joke. I got a life, baby. And fear of his absence, God's nowhere. I'm toast. I was such a fool to believe. Why did I take that vow? Why did I sign that mortgage? Why did, why did you have these stupid kids? Why did I, why did I not have grandkids first? Right? You hear what I'm saying? Remove any of those four legs. What are the four legs? Let me read them to you again. It's his, he's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, and he's just stinking good. Listen, when fear kidnaps our imagination about any of these attributes, our lives look like that chair. So what do we do when the glass breaking beneath our feet feels as real as anything else we've ever experienced in our life? The pink slip. The legal notice. The economy the politics. If I had a dollar every time I heard somebody say, this is the most important election in the history of our country. And if you don't give money and if you don't vote for me and if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, the America you know. I'm not saying that's not even true. I'm just saying it. I'm so sick of hearing it. I'm so sick of hearing it. You know what? Can I just go off on a political tangent for a moment? I don't even know what anybody stands for anymore except I'm not the other guy. And all the stupid gotcha junior high school lunchroom stupidity that has become the American politic. Please study and know what people stand for, what they're going to vote for, what they're going to do. And if you don't, please shut your pie hole on social media like you have anything to say about a system you never even participated in. (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the sermon, Pastor Jim continued. So what do we do? How do we put the legs back on it? I'm going to give you three things. And if you haven't written them down because you don't need it today, then God bless you, you're having a really good day. But trust me, sooner or later, you might need this information somewhere in your Bible. I don't often say that, but I think I'd write it in my Bible. I think I'd put it somewhere. I think I'd figure out the Chinese characters and tattoo it on my forearm if it wasn't already in your head. Number one is this. You've got to look backwards 
You gotta look at the past. You say, well, my past is hard. If your past doesn't have the story needed, then look at the, the past history of mankind. Look at the faithfulness of God to Israel. Look at, look at the faithfulness of God to Moses, to David, to Nehemiah. Look at the faithfulness of God to us. A small tribe of believers, 12 guys in a, you know, that become the, the Christian movement. But put your faith in what God has done. How many guys have seen God, either through history, someone else's life, or your own life, done something only God can do? Can I see your hand? Come on. You got, you got to see, listen, this, it's cracking, it's breaking. It feels like I just, I got the notice, I got the thing, I got the, the judge said, oh, just Stop. It isn't like God's caught off guard ever. Why? Because he's all-knowing. Because he's ever-present. And he's all-powerful. Stop. Someone took out one of the legs, and you're starting to teeter, and soon you're going to fall. And that was just with one leg. So listen to me. We've got to remind ourselves of who God is, what he's promised, and what he's done for us or others. Make sense? Second thing. We're going to have to make a choice. How many of you guys don't like choices? I do and I don't. I, you know, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. But... What, what kind of world do you want to leave to your grandkids? I care. I care. I just do. Why? Is it, I care. Well, you should stop. Don't be me right now. Just stop. We choose to trust him. What do you mean by trust him? I have to remind myself of realities greater than my circumstance. I have to remind myself of realities greater than my circumstance. What is that? God is good. God is here. God's got everything I need. God knows everything I'm going through. If I can get my heart there, guess what's impossible? Nothing. Guess what's too heavy to bear? Nothing. Guess what's hopeless? Nothing. Nothing. I remind myself of what he's done. I take my free will that I could exercise to walk away from him, and instead I take the heat and the pressure, and I let it get rid of some of the wrinkles and spots in my own life and push into my, my groom push into my, as the bride of Christ, I push into him. How many of you guys know Jesus is coming back for a bride that says without spot, wrinkle, or blemish? Can I ask you, how do you get wrinkles and spots and blemishes out of a garment? It's heat, agitation, and pressure. So I take the heat, agitation, and pressure of a fallen world, and I just, I just let it push me into Jesus all the more. Blessed are the meek. Why? Man, they'll inherit the earth, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because in my weakness, he's strong. He's there to comfort me. I, when I'm really suffering, when I'm really scared, when I'm really hurt, I have an access to God that no one who's having a good day can come close to. See, that it doesn't make sense. Yeah, when you worship, you are good, good, oh, sometimes like, I, you used to be good, but now I don't know, oh, you know, someday you might be good again, oh. I get that, but those, those are all feelings. I'm talking about scriptural and historical and beautiful testimony of a faithful God who has never been whooped once, and he ain't about to be whooped now. I went West Virginia on your butts right there for a second, but I'm serious. He's never been licked, and he ain't never going to be licked. He is undisputed heavyweight champion of the universe. And if he's got to die so you can live, he'll do it. I mean, he's for you. He's not against you. So we, we look to the past, we look to the present, and we choose to trust him. And the third thing is we look to the future. When things don't add up, piano girl, join me if you would. When things don't add up, when two plus two equals 947, when God is omnipresent, but he doesn't feel present, when God is all powerful, but I feel so weak and I'm, I'm trusting him, when God knows everything, but the glass is cracking under my feet here, you know, when, when, we, when, we, when things don't add up, hear me, hear me, hear me. Most powerful thing I've learned probably in the last five years is this one truth. You've heard me say it before. You've been around for a while, but I'm going to say it again because redundancy is the beginning of application. Faith is not just what we use. 
to get what we want from God. Faith also, also is what we use when we don't get what we want from God. I wanted this to happen, and I asked God for it, and it didn't happen. I'm so confused because if God is good and God is powerful and God is here, God knows. Why didn't, why didn't God take my simple request for something that felt like no one was against that miracle that was needed? No one would stand opposed to that choice. I, I, how could God have done that if God is good, right? And, and the times when I don't know what's happening... I know I don't know why anger is my next thing, but when you feel powerless, you reach for something that makes you feel powerful. When the instructor won't show up, you know what I mean? And all I need is just one stupid piece of paper so I can start helping these kids been through what they've been through. When when the you know I just can't get this person, I just can't get that thing, I just can't get why in the world is it oh, I just well I just go, you know what? I'm just gonna be angry. And everybody listens to me, and then you know, it doesn't get my McNuggets any faster if I'm angry. We were at Mega last night, drive through window, 20 minutes, one car in front of us. I'm like, are you catching the chickens to make the nuggets? Are you? Uh... So I just reverse and get out. Of there. Hey, I've been waiting for 20 minutes on the line. Can I get my food? Boy, what's your name? I'm like, Jeff Waltz. <laughs> Plus Jeff, he's not here. I'm still using him as a punching bag. You know? Uh, my name's Jim. We don't have an order for Jim. I'm like, you better have one for Jim. Is it possibly Tim? Like, no, I'm quite sure my mother named me Jim. Here you go. Food's cold, get out of the car, put it in drive, drive around, and the car that was in front of me is now gone, and it took more time to throw a hissy fit and make a fool out of Jeff Waltz. You hear what I'm saying? You know, you know when I know God is God, I don't behave like that. But I'm tired. It's been a long week, a lot of hard things. I'm emotionally drained. I just want well-done french fries. Hallelujah. So understand this, guys. Sometimes the best thing we can do when we don't know what to do is to just remember what he's done, make a decision to choose trust, and when things don't add up, you just insert trust in the one who does know everything, who is all-powerful, who is everywhere, and is, I made up the word, omnibenevolent. Any way you slice him, he comes out cheese, man. Every way you can slice God, there's just goodness there. There's just goodness there. I won't go through the whole teaching, so notes, guys, be aware of that. Paul has a problem, and it comes from a couple places. The, the church of Corinth he loves, just like any other church, but they're not, they're not healthy emotionally. They're not healthy spiritually. He's concerned about them. They're, they're making great strides, but they just have these stupid infights. And, and then if that's not bad enough, these guys that Paul calls super apostles show up. They have you know, S-A on their chest. They have capes and they try to fly in on their chariots and they start correcting the doctrine of the apostles that came before them because we are obviously more intelligent than they are, more godly than they are, and they're leading them astray. So Paul is trying to tell his friends in Corinth, hey, I'm an apostle. And, and it's interesting that he could go to the miracles, he could go to the signs, he could go to the wonders, but to prove he was who he was. I hope you get this. For Paul to validate his apostolic ministry, he doesn't talk about the three quarters of the New Testament books that we have today. He wrote. He doesn't talk about the miracles and the resurrections from the dead that are plenteous throughout the book of Acts in Paul's life. You know what he does to validate his apostolic ministry? That's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day just treading water in the open sea. 
I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my friends, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from people who claim to be believers. But when they hugged me, they had knives in their hands. I've labored, I've toiled, I've gone often without sleep. I've known hunger, thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. And beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for you, chowderheads. I'm sorry, for all the churches. Who's weak? Because I love you. You think I don't feel that? Who's led into sin? You think that doesn't just burn me just to know that I planted the seed of the gospel in you and you're being led astray? And so Paul says, if you want to know what an apostle really is. How many guys are grateful for miracles, signs, and wonders? But what he says is this. He's, he's validating his apostolic ministry not by the good things that he's accomplished, hear me, but by the bad things he's endured without losing faith. And I say that to you in closing today. Paul's last thing that he says, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said, I'm done. I'm dying. Catch on the flip side. Here, there, in the air, but we're done. Curtain call and scene. He knows it. It's about to have his head um, cut off. And it's a vast improvement from the prison cell that he was in. He's going to heaven. And he says these last words. Here's his last words. If you had last words to say to believers, to friends, to family members, to people who co-labored, who invested in your ministry, that you love, and you can't say anything else to them ever again, this is the last chance for you to pour in their lives. He says this. He said, I've run the good race. I've fought, come on, the good fight. What's he say last? I have kept what? I've kept the faith. Hear me. I am all for pity parties. I love meatloaf and gravy. I love emotional eating. God created apple pie for a day just like the day we've been having lately. But can I tell you something? Hear me. Gravy covers, and so does apple pie eventually, in layers upon layers, right? But faith, man. What are you facing right now? And what's it done to the legs of your faith that you sit on? If you're here today and you're like, I, I want to believe, I just look at the past, choose in the present, declare faith over the future. Insert faith. Your, your unrelenting, unwavering trust in who God is, what God does, his faithfulness to every generation. And I promise you, God will fix the chair in which you rest. And when you get rest, and then everything will be okay? Well, no, then you get your head cut off. No, then you lose your house. No, then she still leaves. He still leaves. No one uncheated. Uh, Jim, wait a second. Where's the sermon going? It's going towards reality. Faith doesn't just make everything go your way. Faith is what we hold on to as the world does what it does and everyone makes their choices and the devil steals, kills, and destroys and God blesses and fills and heals and loves. But we're stuck between those two things. So I'm not here to say just dance it away or just believe and God will give you 10 times. I'm not saying that. I, I, may, I will make you a promise though. If you remain faithless to him, he's still faithful to you. And today maybe there's a chance to kind of turn your heart and go, you know what? I have been faithless. I've been scrambling I've been conniving, I've been, you know, hissy-fitting, I've been, you know, exercising and rehearsing all of my fears about the future rather than the faithfulness of my past. I don't know how your story is going to end, but I do know this, if you'll hold on to Jesus with both hands, he won't let go of you.
He'll hold on to you. He's just super good at it. That truth has gotten me through the last week. How about you? That truth got me through the last week. But what about it? But if this happens, are we insured for it? What's going to stop? Okay, before I answer those questions, who is God? Okay, he's all-knowing. He's ever-present. He's all-powerful. And I am his favorite kid. I, I am not only his favorite kid, I can walk down a black plank blindfolded. That was dumb. I'm going back this way by faith. And once you get a hold of that, then come back to your mountain and face it. Then come back to your crises and face it. But don't you dare face broken glass without a benevolent God. Don't you dare face that piece of paper, that news, that trauma, that issue, that problem, that hold up. That Don't face it until you have grasped and been grasped by the goodness and faithfulness of God. Now go back to your mountain and say, move. If it moves, great. If it doesn't move, great. You say, what do you mean great? Just hear me. Young guys used to preach patriotic sermons. Old guys tell you the way it is. And this is the way it is. Sometimes mountains move. And that's faith. And I'm grateful for it. I sing about it every Sunday. I'm, I just, I glory in the Lord about that. But sometimes mountains move in another way. They, they rise up, they hover at the top of your head, and they pile drive you into the ground. And from underneath the mountain, what God is waiting for is this sound. I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. It hurts. I still believe. It's hard. I still believe. It's not fair. I still believe. It's unjust. I still believe. Faith is what will get you from here to heaven. And so, my friends, I suggest to you, we build a good, solid four legs underneath us. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? This morning as we end our time together. You may or may not have noticed that they removed the clock from my view. So, Father, into your hands, we commit the final breath of our lives. And if tomorrow holds blessings, we'll be grateful for it, and we'll trust you. Tomorrow holds untold pain. We will hold on to you and never let go. We're going to fight a good fight. We're going to run a good race. And with your help, we're going to keep the faith. Maybe our children's inheritance will be changed. But what they needed more than anything else is the family legacy of faith, not a big pile of money to argue over with their lawyers. So God, we pray if we lose it all, let us not lose you. And if we lose them all, may we not lose you. If we lose it all, may we not lose you. It seems like every once in a while, Jesus, you always threw something at the disciples. Everybody's getting happy and popular, and they're arguing about who's going to be the biggest and the best and who gets the corner office. And about that time, you always seem to look at crowds and go, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of this ministry. And thousands walked away confused. There will be moments in everybody's lives where we don't understand what you do, why you did it, why you didn't do it. But today, in this moment, we make a decision. We trust that you are everywhere, that you know everything, that you are all-powerful, and you are good. Come on, do that right now in your heart. God, we trust that you know everything, that you are everywhere, that you are all-powerful, and you are good. You know everything. You are everywhere. 
You are all powerful and you are good. You are good. You are good. You're everywhere. You know everything. You're all powerful and you're good. And so I put my trust in that over any piece of paper, over any snapping piece of glass, over anybody else's word, on anybody else's testimony. I put that over gossip and division and slander. I put that over my life and I will stand on that above every other thing that would call itself true. These things that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God, we tear them down now in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't feel loved, then you're believing a lie and you need to stop trusting your feelings. I don't feel God's near. Listen, you need to stop trusting your feelings and stop believing in the lie and put that leg back up where it belongs because if the devil can remove any of these four legs from your life, he's got you. He does it with lies, manipulations, threats, tragedies, uh, sometimes over, overcompensations of good things that happen and we forget God and walk away. Well, if you've done any of those things, if you're a million miles from God or one tweak would make a huge difference, hear my voice right now. He's good. You can trust that. He's here. You can trust that. He knows everything already. You can trust that. And all the power you'll ever need is in his hand. And you're his favorite. You're tied with all humanity, but you are his favorite. You're God's favorite daughter. You are God's favorite son. You're here today and you just want to respond. God, I just, I return to those four legs. I'm sorry that I, I let somebody kick them out from underneath me. Something kick them out from underneath me. I'm going to beat the devil to death with that leg. And I'm going to put it right back under the chair. God is good. God is good. God is here. God is here. God knows. God knows. God knows. God is all powerful. All powerful. All powerful. And now I rest in truths that will never be undone. Truth. Let our feelings follow our faith, God. If you need forgiveness today, come on, reach out to him. If what Jim is saying is true, God, then you know it. I confess it anyway to get rid of it. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a clean slate and a fresh start. If you've been doubting and you've been fearing, welcome, welcome to 2022. But you don't have to leave here with those fears and doubts. Get that leg back under the chair, those legs back under the chair where they belong. Go to war, man. Fight for this. Rest in this, but fight for this. It's your brain. It's not the devil's brain. It's not your boss's brain. It's not a politician's brain. It's your brain. It's your head. It's your heart. So I take responsibility for what I've been given stewardship over, and I trust that you are good, that you know everything, that you're everywhere, and that you are the almighty God, my almighty God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. never done this before and I don't know why I'm doing it now but just out of obedience if you don't want to do it you don't have to do it this is not a compulsory moment it's, a, it's an optional moment and no one will ask any questions if you don't want to participate in it but would you grab the hand of the person next to you right now if you know that's not weird to you or and if they don't grab your hand that's not because you're weird to them it's you know I don't want to no harm no foul Father, right now we pray for those that we're holding hands with. 
We lift them up. They're our brothers. They're our sisters in Christ. They, they're going through this life just like we're going through this life, and they need the same things we need. And some of the best ways to get what we need is to be a part of giving it to somebody else. So, Father, right now we pray blessings, faith, courage, tenacity, strength. May the strength of the Almighty be their strength. May the wisdom and the knowledge of the Almighty be their wisdom and knowledge. May the goodness of the Almighty fill them until they have the goodness to give away. Father, we pray for them right now, our friends, our family members, those that are now seated in front of us and seated behind us, God. We pray for the body of Christ that we would be strong. We're going to encourage each other today, just like you said. Encourage each other daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. None of you will change your heart because you believed a lie. We pray encouragement over their families, over their finances, over their, their fitness, over their faith, over their generations. We pray, God bless, God bless, God bless them all around us now. May Freedom Center be known not just as those who give away blessings, but those that are really good at receiving them too. We cannot give what we do not have, so give us what we need today that we might be generous, body, soul, and spirit, generous in this generation, God. We thank you for it. Have your way. 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 You guys good? Everybody all right? All right. Why don't you stand to your feet then? Before you leave this room, I want you to find at least two people, and you're going to say the four things of them you know about God. God is good. God is all. God's all. I did a bicep. Someone said knowing. Okay. All right. All right. All knowing, all good, all powerful, and all everywhere. All right. Four things. Tell everybody right now. Come on. Get it from your short term to your long term. I know this. I know this. I know this. I know this. God's good.